Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in today to this episode of the Culinary School Stories podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. My guest today is not only a culinary school graduate, but is also a chef instructor and has been for 18 years. So now let's meet today's guest and hear more about her culinary school story. Chef Maureen Choate, welcome to the show, and I want to thank you right up front for coming on and sharing your culinary school story with all the listeners. You are very welcome. I'm glad to be here, and uh, I want to just say hello to everybody, and it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Ah, thanks. Well, to begin, why don't you tell us where you went to culinary school and what caused you or influenced you to pick that school? I went to the Culinary Institute of America when I was 18 years old. I toured the school when I was 16 years old with my father. When I was a young, uh, very young lady, I had started cooking when I was about eight years old, actually even younger than that, when I was three. I have a picture of myself on my mother's stool in the kitchen stirring the sauce. So I always knew I wanted to cook. And I realized when I was about 13 years old, I wanted to be a chef. And I took my grandfather's inheritance uh, to go to culinary school. And my father uh, got me to go and tour the school. And I had to be uh, interviewed by 15 people in a room. And they wanted to know why somebody 16 years old wanted to go to culinary school. And I told them I wanted to be a chef. (laughs) That's great. And I graduated when I was 20. So I was very young when I went to cooking school. Now, at the time, was there a lot of females in culinary school? Because that was, you know, back in the 80s. So at that time, was it more males? Uh, uh, My class size was 15. And there was three girls in the class. And I was one of them. And uh, there was a lot of uh, male instructors there. And uh, there was very few female instructors at the school. And I never had one female instructor when I went there. Um, But there was a couple that did join on towards the end of my education at the school. Good. Now, that was the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. Had you looked at any other schools or that was always the school or is it because of your location? I actually looked at three other schools. I looked at uh, Sullivan County up in New York where my cousin had gone to school. I know they have a culinary program there. And I also toured Johnson and Wales and the Culinary Institute of America just seemed like the right fit for me. I was in one place. I just wanted to go for culinary arts. I wasn't interested in doing any other thing at that time, uh, and, it, and it was a great fit for me. And I was really glad that I went there. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. So now you stayed up there on, on, in the dorms, I'm assuming, because it's so far away from your home. And what was that like? What was your first day when you got there? You're moving in, you're, you're getting your knife kits. I mean, take us through that first day and what you remember about it. Well, my family came up with me that first day. My mom, who was very instrumental, uh, my father was a New York City policeman and he had to work that day and he couldn't come and was disappointed. But my mom went. Uh, with me with my aunt and uncle. I come from a big Italian family and we're very protective of our young. And my mom wanted to see what my dorm room was going to look like. She wanted to make sure my uniform fit. 
and they wanted to make sure I had all my books and all my equipment and everything. And back in the day, that knife kit was very small. I think I had seven items in it. And uh, not like today where there's about 30 items in our, in our knife kit. Uh, they didn't have a microplane greater than and all these fancy gadgets. But uh, I got a uh, uniform and I remember my yellow neckerchief. Uh, never forget that. And we used to have to wear that all the time. Uh, we actually were able to wear paper hats. We didn't have little cloth caps. Uh, the big chefs, the, head, the instructors wore really big chef hats. They wear their toques. Uh, and I was just, I knew I was in the right place. And uh, when I got there, I met my two other roommates. I lived in a dorm with two other girls, and they were a little more ahead of me. They were in the same class. They were very nice. Everybody was very welcoming. Uh, the dorm was right down the, just like a path up to the school. CIA is a big monastery uh, where the priests had lived, and they made it into a school at that time. There was only three dorms. They didn't have all these kitchens. I was the second class that actually cooked in the American Downey kitchen. Uh, we also still had the Escoffier room. And I was one of the students that also had, uh, had cooked in that uh, establishment. And uh, I had a, a lot of different chefs from different parts of the world. And uh, it was a very strict, <laughs> uh, some of the chefs were a little strict, uh, but I learned a lot and it was, it was wonderful. I learned to embrace uh, the European chefs. They were very, very kind to me. Uh, they knew I wanted to learn and I, I'm a real go-getter. And uh, when it came to, you know, being in the kitchen, I felt more comfortable, but I struggled a little bit in the classroom. And I think that's why I can relate to my students so well that I always was that student that needed extra help. Hmm. Uh, so I guess that's my mission to, to help the ones that need a little extra help. So, uh, and, and, you know, being a woman, it wasn't easy going into those kitchens and, and there was only another girl or two girls in my class. And we would just look at each other like, all right, we got to do this. And, you know, you had to catch on quick or else, you know, the chef was going to yell at you. And that's how it was. Uh, but uh, it was a wonderful education. Did they treat you any different because you were a female or it was like everybody's getting treated the same, either get on or, or get out? No, everyone was treated the same. The chefs were very professional. Uh, they demanded uh, excellence. And uh, that was very good for me because when I left school and graduated, I did work for some European chefs and they were very strict, very similar. I understood uh, the mentality, understood uh, that that's how they were trained. And I was in awe of it. I, I really never felt uncomfortable. I wasn't afraid if someone spoke up to me. I knew they wanted it done a certain way, and I would just do it, and I would listen and, and follow directions. That was really, really important that you had to catch on quick, and, you know, no one was going to hold my hand and, you know, get me through stuff. I had to figure it out on my own, mm -hmm. and, and that's what I did. Thinking back, did you have a favorite class? I did. I had a couple of favorite classes. I had one chef. Uh, this was called Stage. I had Chef Dannens, and he was um, – a Belgium chef, I believe. And he, I don't know, I just 
came into his class and, and, and I couldn't wait to cook that food. It was making uh, mousses and terrines and all this stuff. And we were making this beautiful food. And I'll never forget him taking these uh, mousses out of these uh, tube pans out of the oven without gloves and, and without oven mitts. And he pulled them out with his bare hands. And I said, wow, I want to be just like this guy. And and, and and he would have me going around the room, uh, and I loved it. Another favorite chef was uh, Chef Sonnerschmidt. Uh, Fritz was a wonderful instructor. I had him in charcuterie. He was fantastic. I couldn't wait to get into that class, and he gave us some projects to do. And and I just loved learning about charcuterie. I still do a lot of it today. And I just wanted to learn how do we make bologna? How do we make sausage? How do we utilize the whole animal? And he... I, I've seen him a couple of times after that, and I just, he was definitely one of my favorite chefs and just wonderful. I have his charcuterie book, and I just, you know, it was just fantastic. I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, he's an icon. I have a few of his books too, and, you know, from Garmage and things, and uh, mm-hmm. very knowledgeable. Yeah, and I, I like Garmage. I, I really enjoy that. And it's, it's a lost art, but it's come back a little bit because of, you know, utilizing um mm-hmm. the whole product uh the uh, the whole animal did you have a least favorite class yes of course i did <laughs> that was food costing chef <laughs> and stewarding i was so scared i will never forget i forgot the teacher's name and we were always upstairs on that second level and we were in the same classroom it was near the business office or the registrar office up there. And, and we had to do uh, stewarding. We had to figure out the cost of a plate in the case. Uh, and, and today, you know, I can do all this stuff because I, 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 just, I get it because I opened up that box and now I see all the plates in here. All right, there's a dozen, you know, each plate weighs something. But when you're an 18-year-old kid mm-hmm. uh, right out of high school and the, and the chef's saying to you, you're going to have to figure out the cost of uh, a glass and a case of 100 and, uh, you know, all this. And, and you, you've never seen um, – uh, an invoice before you don't know what a, a purchase order is you don't know when it, this is until you go down to purchasing and you learn that class and you learn how uh, what receipts look like and all this and it's part of the business and you have to learn that so you can own a business and not lose money and back then I didn't get any of it today I teach it all the time and, and I'm f- perfectly comfortable with it because I've gone through the experiences but when you're new mm-hmm. and you're young and you've never been a manager, you don't know uh, what these things even look like. You don't know because you haven't seen the paper in front of you. Uh, and that's where I struggled. And I struggled with the math. Uh, and I still sometimes do, but I make myself figure things out. And that way I can teach my students because there's some student in that class that's going to ask that same question or not know how to figure it out. And I'm going to have to help them and, and, you know, and go, go the extra mile. I hear you're paying because I teach cost control and I know the students that struggle with that math and stuff. So it can be challenging. And then once they get it though, that the light bulb goes off, it seems to help them. And I always start that class with, this is the most important class you're ever going to have because you could be the best chef in the world and still go broke. Yeah. So you need to know costing and need to know menu planning. Absolutely. 
So you're an instructor now, chef instructor, have been for years. What do you see as differences? Is there differences, similarities between the students today, the curriculum today, how schools are run compared to when you were in culinary school? There's a lot more books. Uh, when I went to CIA, I got the professional chef and that was it. <laughs> and I think I had professional baking, uh, understanding baking. I had three books when I first started and that was it for the whole time. And then I don't remember, we took a lot of notes. There was a lot of note taking. That's what I remember a lot of learning French, uh, Mrs. Gold and Mr. Gold. He taught the law, she taught the French. And I don't know, I just kind of, you know, caught on to everything quick. Uh, going in the kitchens, we had our recipes. I remember Chef Petzold uh, with about, I don't know, 15 of us in that kitchen with this big long table. And we were learning how to make rolls. And we didn't realize that we weren't going to eat them. And they were going to be for the students. And uh, you know, a lot of food was prepared um, for the for the uh, for the students that were there. Um, also, I noticed today there's more technology. We had no technology back then. We had a very small library, which I didn't visit a lot. <laughs> um, and now we have these virtual libraries. We have all this technology in front of us that we're able to help our students with, you know, and now instructors are able to not just show them in person, they can do it online. We make videos for them. Uh, we made it, I think it's more user-friendly. I think that mystique so much there, like it used to, we also have a lot of TV shows, cooking shows, Food Network, and so on, Top Chef, and all these things that we can watch uh, we didn't have any of that back then. There was cookbooks. Uh, one of the people I met was actually Julia Child. Wow. A long time ago when she was doing a book signing uh, back in 1996. And she was doing that baking with Julia. Uh, I met her when I worked in Oyster Bay, Long Island, when I was a restaurant chef. And, you know, the one thing she asked me, and she loved oysters, she says to me, how do these oysters up here in Oyster Bay taste? Are they good? Are they briny? Are they salty? And I told her. <laughs> and then I invited her down to the restaurant, and she wasn't able to come. But, oh, my goodness, just meeting her, it was just fabulous. And, and that's what it was back in the day. It was more, uh, you know, if you were going for a job, you had to look it up uh, in a newspaper. You had to call for an interview, had to present your resume. Uh, in front of the chef, you weren't sending it in an email, uh, you weren't faxing anything, uh, you know, ordering was done always on a telephone uh, and none of this stuff. And I remember the first time I had to place an order online, uh, I was just baffled. I said, oh my goodness, look at this. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, it's the same thing on a sheet, but it's on a computer. Uh, I had no training on a computer. You know, I didn't go in any computer classes or anything. I had to learn on my own and figure it out. I did ask for help. I got a lot of help. But uh, I think the world has changed in many ways. It's just become a smaller world. That's what I think. Uh, reading about these people in books back in the day, now you get to see them. You get to see them in videos. You get to see them in TV shows. Uh, one of the famous chefs that lives in Connecticut is Jacques Pepin, and I actually met him a couple of times when I did some volunteer work, and oh my goodness, just getting to meet him. I, I, I love watching his shows, and, and then you meet him in person. This man is a world of knowledge. 
it, it, you just realized how small the world really is. And um, I think that's one of the things that's really changed. Yeah, I agree. It's, we didn't have any of that. It was a lot harder, it seems, you know, trying to do research and yeah. look things up and find a recipe and having to copy everything down. Uh, you mentioned training. You didn't have any training to put those orders in. What kind of training did you get to become an instructor? Was there any training? Was it here's a syllabi and a book? I mean, talk about ah. that step. So, so I uh, answered an ad, okay, uh, back in 1998, and I was a culinary instructor of a cooking school in Manhattan, which is now, uh, I believe, Star Academy. It was the New York Food and Hotel Management School back in the day and it was around September and I answered the ad and they had me come in and I interviewed and they were very interested. I had never been a culinary instructor before. So I had my AOS degree and I had a lot of experience and you know the the owner of the school was very impressed. They wanted to meet with me. They they met I met other instructors and then uh, we want to offer you the job. So I thought it was just going to be uh, a culinary instructor job. Uh, little did I know they wanted me to be the head instructor <laughs> and run the cooking school and the other five schools that are affiliated with it. And we taught students that were uh, deaf and blind, hearing impaired. We also taught school, uh, school taught students from other parts of the world. So we had a lot of international students. Uh, it was down in the Chelsea area, uh, so we were, had a lot of access to going down to the, the Chelsea market where the Food Network just started. It was like, you know, the beginning of all this uh, going on down there. And um, uh, I worked with a wonderful woman who has passed on, uh, Susan Vogel, who was just the lean instructor, had been there 25 years. And she was, I took her, well, she took me under her wing. <laughs> showed me the ropes and uh, we got along great and she's the one who helped me the most I had the the foundation the knowledge but becoming an instructor is a whole different world because you have to be able to tap into your audience and I had a whole bunch of different people from all parts of the world uh, where I had to learn how to teach my audience. And, and that's one of the things um, I had to learn. And I, we went to uh, school. They gave us education. We had to go for trainings on the weekend. We had to go for a couple of months and get our license and uh, go through that process. And we had to learn how to set up a classroom. I had this woman, Anita Bernstein, who was fantastic. She was our instructor. We had her and she taught us the ropes, like, you know, how, how do you grade? How do you keep up with your class? How are you being a one minute manager with your students? Uh, how do you, how do you teach lab and also grade your students? And now you're going into the classroom and how do you do both? And that's what they were teaching us. And it, there's a fine line. You, you have to be on your feet and vigilant all the time. And, you know, everyone's not going to do good in the classroom and not everyone's going to do well in lab. Uh, so you're going to have a little bit of both. And then you'll have some students that can do it all. And sometimes that's about 10% of the population. But that's okay because it's school. And that's what I tell my students. We're here to learn. Uh, and that's what I told my students back then. And uh, I, I taught the whole program when I was there. And then I had left and I come back home 
I had to help my family. Uh, it was tough working in Manhattan. Uh, and I left two weeks before 9-11. Hmm. And that was the toughest thing is that I worried about every one of those kids, every one of those uh, instructors and everybody, all the staff in there. And I couldn't even get through on the telephone that day. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's where my beginnings of being an instructor were all the way back in 98. Uh, and then, of course, I'd gone out in the field, got a little more experience, and then I got the bug. I wanted to be an instructor again, and I said, okay, uh, I got a chance to be a culinary instructor at Lincoln Tech, uh, and that was back in 2007, and I had gone back to school and then came back, and I was rehired, and I've been back at the school for many years again, so um I've been working with some of my colleagues now for almost 14 years uh, at Lincoln Tech. And then I had been an instructor over at the other school for almost four years. So, you know, it, it's, 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 it's evolved. Um, things have changed a lot. Uh, but, you know, one of the one things I do use is the on cooking book with my students. Uh, they've used it in the other schools. And this is a, a book that is very helpful. There's a lot of pictures in it. And I think it's easy for them to understand. I don't know. I guess I've gotten used to using it so much that um, I even use some of the recipes at home and they're actually mm -hmm. really good. Yep. Uh, and I keep things simple. That's, that's what I try to do for my students. Yeah. I've used that book in a previous school and it was great and the students and everything seemed to work out with the, um, the recipes as well. But going back to them training you to be a teacher, that is really great because that doesn't happen as you may know. I mean, to go and teach you how to be a teacher, uh, that was it was a good foresight on the on the school to have people do that because normally they just take some content expert from the industry and yeah. pop them in there and say go. Yeah, that 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 is so true, and that's what made it so much easier for me. Is I knew how to set up my classroom, I knew how to set up my board, I knew how to set up my kitchen the same way using illustrations and. Uh, these kinesonic learners, people learning visually, you know, the, all the different learners. That's one of the things that uh, we, we stress at the school is we have the, uh, the visual learners, the audio, uh, and then also the kinesonic learners. And you have to tap into all of those learners and you have to find out what the, the students are. Yeah. And some of them have a little everything. <laughs> some of them have nothing. Uh, believe it or not, I am mostly a visual learner. Um, so I have to be aware of my students who have the audio, they listen, and then also I'm hands-on a lot. And so, you know, we're all culinary schools. So we all want to be hands-on learners, but some students like to read. Some students like to listen to videos. Some students like watching videos. Yeah. And I think if you connect to all of those, you're a better teacher, but you got to know your audience. And you have to keep your audience and you can't lose them because that's the hardest thing when I think teaching online is that how do I keep them engaged? How do I keep them thinking about what's next? How do I switch it up? How do I make it interesting uh, for them? When I first taught, they just, I was one of those ones, they just threw you kind of in there when I first way back in the early 90s. Yeah. And I was terrible. You know, I probably want to, I want to reach out to those students today and give them their money back because I know I was probably bad. But I learned, you know, and I studied, I studied. And actually, when I became a department chair, 
I used to do training for my faculty. You know, people that wanted to get into this business, and they could have been great instructors, but they never had the chance, and they probably failed at it. So that's when I wrote my book. I wrote a co-wrote a book was um, Culinary Instructors Teaching Tools and Tips, and so now I actually use that. Book. I wrote it for other chefs that want to get into teaching, but now I actually use that book in one of the classes that I teach, which is an elective called um, Introduction to Culinary Instruction for culinary students that may want to go into teaching. I use that book. So it's been a big help. Wow, that's great. Somebody's got to tell everybody what to do and show them the way because that, that's usually what happens. A lot of instructors get hired because they have a degree. They have knowledge and experience in the field, and then they assume <laughs> that they can just step in yep. and be a teacher. And guess what? It doesn't always work that way. But, mm -hmm. you know, everyone has potential. That's what I, under, I, I realized from working with many people, yep. that either you have it or you don't. Uh, you got to have some, or they're not going to hire you, but you can always get better. And that's what I strive for. I you know, one of my favorite chefs is Thomas Keller, and I always remember him saying, I strive for perfection every day, and every day I do the same thing. I set up my classroom, I set up my kitchen, I clean my table, and I say to myself, I'm going to do the best I can today, uh, and whatever happens, happens, and I'm going to just do what I got to do, and that's what you got to do out in the field. Uh, I, one of the other days, my students, we, we didn't have one of the ingredients we needed to use. I said, listen, you're going to have to improvise. And guess what? You know, it's Friday and I teach uh, a lab on a Friday. I said, guess what? It's the end of the week. Guess what? We got to make do with what we got and do what our chef needs us to do. And that's it. And they're like, yes, chef. And guess what? You're getting ready for the field. You know, what are you going to tell your customer? You don't have it. They don't want to hear no. Go make them something else. Don't lose your money. I mean, that's another thing I try to teach them is, is how to save money in the kitchen, how to use up all the things that we have, uh, and not just food, just like equipment and gloves and soap. And yeah. I mean, nobody knows how much dish soap costs until you have to buy it for the dishwashing machine. Uh, it's amazing, you know, how, I mean, even paper towels and all these things cost money. Uh, and I want to show them how to be the best they can be, and they have to be mindful of what they have uh, in the kitchen and how lucky we are that we get to work in air conditioning. That's another thing back in the day. Um, so true. Nothing was air conditioned, and there was no radio on. None of this stuff. It was, that's it, you're cooking. Let's go. Now, so you went on and got another degree, and could you tell us about that and how that was different, where it was from, and, and what, uh, what inspired you to go continue your education? So all the way back in 1998, when I was teaching uh, for the first time, I wanted to get my bachelor's degree, and I had to wait a long time. Um, a lot of things had gone on. I had moved. I didn't have the time. Uh, it was just never the right time. Uh, and then one day I realized, I said, I better do this now. I was 48 years old, and I said, you know what, I need to, to do this. Uh, I graduated my other cooking school when I was 20, and I wanted to become a better instructor is really what, what, what I wanted to do. And um, one of the schools that had an online program was the New England um, Culinary Institute up in uh, Montpelier, Vermont. And I had 
talked to the people in admissions and uh, they had given me information. And I said, oh man, this is exactly what I want to do. And I know I can do this. It wasn't, uh, you know, I could just work part-time and that's what I did. I was a private chef for like two years. I left the school for a little bit because I just couldn't do the full load of school and work. Uh, but I kept in touch with everybody at the school. They knew I was going back. Uh, and then I started the online program uh, in the January of 2013, the year that we had Nemo up here in uh, New England. And my town had the second highest snowfall. And I couldn't get out of my driveway for five days. And I will never forget that. That was my second week the class started. And my first class was... Uh, it was management. It was uh, financial management. One of my classes I was dreading. <laughs> Didn't want to take it. Knew I had to. Uh, there was other ones. But of course, let's get the one the hardest out of the way. Uh, and my, my concern is uh, that when I was going to lose power. Uh, it, there was so much snow up here. We had uh, about uh, 38 inches of snow. And that's a lot. So, you know, we got through that and, you know, we, we managed uh, to get through all the classes. They would give us six weeks for each class. You'd have to get ready ahead of time. You'd have to buy books. You'd have to be prepared. Your instructors would give you information. If you didn't hand it in, you got a zero. And it was all on the computer, which I'm uh, learning to get better at at the time. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of growing pains, a lot of fear a lot of determination, uh, and a lot of, a lot of fun. And I had a lot of really wonderful instructors, uh, that I learned from on, uh, one of them was Chef Barton, who I had him for two classes and, uh, it was just incredible. I really enjoyed him. He, uh, knew I was very talented and I went the full yard. Uh, how we did it was we used to send attachments of our food. We'd have to send them pictures. We had a lot of essays. I was in my chef's uniform, cooking food at home in my kitchen, uh, presenting food on plates as if it was professionally done. I had to go out and buy the, the, the plates and the flatware and the, all this equipment, and I loved every minute of it. And I, I looked forward to every week being in his class, uh, along with many of the other instructors. And it really taught me how well organized and well prepared I had to be. And I became more knowledgeable. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to go back to school. And I really am so glad I did it. And I got to connect with the, the dean uh, who is in charge of the, the online program. She's someone I uh, stay in contact all the time with. I have other instructors uh, that I also stay in, in contact with. They gave me recommendations. I did very well at school. I was the, uh, I had the highest grade point average in my class. I think I had an, a 96.7 average. Wow. Uh, and then I will never forget the, the dean calling me up one day. And I was like, why is she calling me? And she goes, well, we want you to be the student speaker at graduation. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And uh, I had to wait. I graduated in December of 2014. Uh, and the graduation wasn't until June of 2015 because in, in Vermont, there's a lot of snow. So she called me a month before graduation. And she said, I wanted you to be the speaker. And you only have four minutes to talk. 
And I said, okay. And she says, you got to write it down and you got to practice it and you only get four minutes. And I said, all right. And I did it. And then I had to, you know, send it to her. And she said, that's fine. And then I will never forget the day of graduation. I finally got to see my classmates because remember, this is all an online program. And I had to visit the school the day before and they wanted to talk to me and ask me all these questions about how was your education and any recommendations. And and they gave me a voucher and I had a free dinner and I had my friends come with me. I had a wonderful time. And and then the day of graduation, I wasn't nervous. (laughs) We get to the auditorium and I realized, wow. I got to go up there and talk to all these people. But being an instructor, you're used to that. And and I went up there and I was a little nervous and my friends taped it and I was on Facebook and the whole shebang and all that. And it all went great. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And um, I'm so glad I did that. And it was one of the best decisions, once again, that I ever made. And uh, And it was hard work. It, it wasn't easy. In the summer, I was in school. There was no breaks. Uh, you had three weeks between classes sometimes. Sometimes it was only two, and everyone was out barbecuing, and I was doing my uh, program. And I had to think of the prize. I had to say to myself, you know what? Next year you'll graduate. Next year you'll have a degree. And that's what kept me going. Uh, I had to see to the other side, and, uh, and that's what I did. Tell us about the, the actual curriculum. This was a bachelor's in culinary arts, but you're doing it online. So mm-hmm. do you have to, how did you cook virtually and send it to them? And how did all that work? You, you, had, to, you had to go buy the food. They didn't pay you for that. Uh, that was part of what you had to do. You had to get your equipment. Uh, you had to buy your own books. And you had to have a kitchen you could cook the food in, and they would give you recipes, and you had a choice, and you had to set, you had in a certain amount, and you had to do at least four or five recipes per lap, and you had to send them pictures of the mise en place. Uh, so before you did the food, so they wanted the you have to prove you did it, uh, and then you know then you had to show them pictures of you actually cooking with your picture in it. So you're proving to them you're cooking the food and not some mystery chef. And then you had to show them the presentation of the plate with you in it, and also the items that you prepared. So you had to show them you did the work, uh, and. I felt like I was back in the kitchen. So being that I had worked on the line for many years and work in saute and grill and all this, I said, wow, this is so exciting. I feel like I'm actually working the line. And I'd go in that kitchen and I would prepare. I would buy the food uh, two days ahead of time. I'd know my recipes ahead of time. I went in there. I would prep. Uh, one day I had to make a terrine and I realized I didn't have a terrine mold. So I said, all right, I'm going to use a loaf pan and I'm going to still make a terrine. And I, I had all these things I had to do. Uh, and I had learned canning. I learned how to make jellies and jams and pickles and all this stuff. And now I learn it because now it's one of my hobbies. Uh, and I, I had to learn how to use a dehydrator, a yogurt machine. I learned how to sous vide. I didn't know any of this stuff. And I had to do all this stuff and show them I was doing it. Uh, and, and you would send them uh, at the end of the week 
uh, not just your recipes, which you had to type and you weren't allowed to copy and paste. They wanted to see you type them, put the ingredients in, the procedure in. You had to show the pictures and you had essays and you had to find pictures also online supporting your work. Wow. What if, what if a student didn't have this equipment? I guess they couldn't be in the program. Is that like a requirement? You had to have the material? Well, so if you were making yogurt, you could use a cooler. That was one of the options. And put the lid over it and let it go, I don't know, room temperature, 100 degrees. But, you know, sometimes you had to improvise. And I didn't have a sous vide machine. So I learned to use my food saver to vacuum pack my product. And I learned how to put it in a pot of boiling water, 140 degrees. Mm. And that's how I, I had to do some things. Um I had to make tenpeh from scratch. I was out in my backyard. I figured my garage was 100 degrees. I took some quinoa. I fermented it. <laughs> I used the <laughs> juices, and I added my black peas to that, and I made tenpeh from scratch. And it was things that I didn't think I could ever do. And, and I, I realized that I could do anything as long as I had an instructor that could show me how and give me recipes that were tried and true and and they worked out that's great and i had to trust somebody i never met and never saw only his picture on the on the on the screen and we would you know he would give you a critique at the end of the they all would give you a critique of all the things you did and things you could do better uh and i remember the last lab i had with chef barton i had him in another class and he said to me that he would remember me by my labs and all the pictures i sent him and i would do extra stuff he'd, he'd give you extra credit uh you know he was not an easy instructor he was very tough but i knew i had to go the extra yard and i did that well, you think today with the pandemic and the COVID that that program would be key, you know, because people can't really get to the schools and stuff. You think something like an online practical culinary degree would be perfect. Actually, my head instructor, uh, my culinary director asked to reach out to me when this whole thing started. And he said to me, how did you do it? <laughs> We actually have a virtual externship for our students that we're doing at the pro, uh, in the program where they're, they're taking the pictures and they're showing the presentations, very similar to how we did it. And, and I was the person that actually helped him, uh, you know, I showed him some of my examples and how I did it and the students are doing it. Uh, they come down to the school to get their product. And uh, they have certain recipes, and this is like an ACF, I think, sous chef um, practical. They have to do the chicken and all these other recipes. Uh, we're following ACF guidelines here uh, at the school because we are affiliated, uh, and they give us our accreditation uh, at the school. So uh, that's how we're doing it. And the students are they're excited because they're not worried about uh, going out in the field and worrying about all this stuff and they can just do it at home. They're still getting the same education. Uh, and of course they're being checked uh, by the head and, you know, the culinary director and it's the same thing and, and it's working out really well. And the students are learning and they're, and they're comfortable. Well, you think in today's time, that would be the future. So kudos to New England uh, Culinary Institute for, you know, being the I guess the trailblazer that now other schools can follow and try to use that model and, and show that it can still work, that you can get, 
you know, a hands-on degree, culinary arts, baking, welding, whatever that is, virtually. Yeah, it's amazing. And I actually reached out to the dean of uh, that I had had at the New England Culinary uh, Institute. And I told her, I said, oh, my goodness. I said, my director wants my advice. She goes, oh, my goodness, look at you. <laughs> she goes, isn't that amazing? What we started years ago is going to work now. Um, and that's a vi- that's being a visionary. You know, uh, you have to always find a solution to anything. There's always a solution. And sometimes you have to collaborate with your staff and figure out uh, what is the solution? And if you get a whole bunch of people in the room, you're probably going to figure it out a lot quicker than just one person by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe you'll find a better way uh, or maybe another way. And sometimes we don't think of another way of doing stuff. We think, oh, it's only this way. You know, I go to the supermarket. I have to park my car on this side of the lot so I can get next to the produce. Well, sometimes I park on the other side of the building and I go to the ice cream line uh, uh, aisle first. So, you know, it's just, just being flexible uh, and, and, and just going with the changes. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking instead of um, them going to the grocery store like you had to and purchasing it, if they could work out some deal with one of those um, like Blue Apron or whatever those meal replacements and have the curriculum already in a box and it just gets shipped out to the students a couple of days before it has the rabbit or the chicken or whatever is in it. Everybody has the same box. Yeah. So if my school's in Vermont, I don't think they could do that. <laughs> but at, at Lincoln Tech, you know, where they are, the students can do it. Yeah. Well, the school wouldn't have to do it. They would just work out with one of these, I don't know what they call them, food replacement companies where they have those boxes of all the food and they like say, Blue Apron. Hey, you know the curriculum in advance. Yeah. Blue Apron or someone, you'd say, here's what I need. I need a chicken. I need asparagus. I need herbs. Put it all in the box. And that's, you know, just for that school, get sent out to the 50 students. And on that day, they watch a video and they chop and cook along with you. Maybe that's a possibility. Yeah. That might be somebody's uh, new. Uh uh, I guess a new um, company, you know, something that they might uh, create and it might be something that, you know, they're going to do in the future. You never, you never know. Yeah. Instead of everybody going to their own grocery store. Yeah. I mean, maybe a local farm or something. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure someone's going to come up with something if this pandemic continues and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned your program is affiliated with the American Culinary Federation or certified by them. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to professional organizations and certification and, and how that is uh, important, if it is, to students and to culinarians today? Uh, all the chefs have to be certified at the school. Uh, we also have to do our certification educational hours, uh, which I do every month. I do the, the culinary quiz, uh, also go on the website and do some of the free curriculum that's available. Um, also with our professional development, that's extremely important, uh, that we're, we know all the new things that are going on. And that's how I actually met you by reading the article, uh, in the magazine with this pandemic. And then also, um, a lot of the chefs that I do work with, uh, know some of the other chefs, uh, I've also one of the chefs, uh, that I work with has been in the American well, a couple of them have been in the ACF uh, for many years. I have also been in it for many years. I've uh, been in the, a member since 1988, where I was one of the first people in the Long Island chapter, uh, uh, Long Island chapter in New York. Uh, when I first started in, well, I was working at a big hotel 
on the island and uh, everybody was joining the ACF and it, it was one big happy family. I'm going to just say it like that. And that's exactly what it was. And, and we all worked together. We all met every Monday um, and we would have our meetings and, and this is how I became certified. It took me about three years to become certified because I had to get all my education, all my jobs. I had to take the courses uh, I also had to pass the test. Uh, then what I decided to do um, later on was become uh, a food management professional, and that would be through ServiceSafe, uh, also a proctor uh, and all of that through the uh, ServiceSafe because I teach the food safety. Um, but, you know, with the ACF, um, it is well known. Everybody knows the American Culinary Federation. There's so many people in so many states. Everyone's so connected. And, you know, if you go on a job interview, that's one of the first things they're going to look is to see if you're certified uh, in, you know, the ACF and also are you ServSafe certified. And it just helps me get better job offers and better options. And it's just a way of life. It's just I know this is what I do and this is who I am. And uh, it, it's never too early to start. And I, one of the things I try to help my students is I, I let them know what the ACF is. I tell them uh, what a uh, certified culinarian is, the different levels. Uh, we also have had people come into the school from the, um, you know, from the Connecticut uh, association that we belong to. Uh, and they come in, they talk to the students, tell them what it's about. Some of the students are actually members now of the ACF um, and we've also had our chef meetings at the school and we're very heavily involved there uh, cooking competitions we also have had uh, chefs do their um, couple of their um, practicals there at the school and uh, you know the ACF is always welcome at our establishment Tell us about your school. Where is that located? You mentioned Connecticut? Yes, we're in Shelton, Connecticut. It's a very small school. It's in an industrial park oh. where you would never think there's a cooking school. Uh, we are hidden up there in the little nook up there on the hill uh, with all these other industrial uh, uh, businesses. Uh, there's BIC there and all these big companies. And uh, they've been there for a while. I'm not sure when they first started, but I'm going to guess, say, 2005, something like that. Uh, and we're a very small cooking school. We have three classrooms, three kitchens. Uh, we have a dining room where we obviously do a lot of our uh, dinners and luncheons and all that. Uh, because of the pandemic, what we've done is we've taken the classrooms and we've made them into kitchens. And we've taken the dining room and made it into a big kitchen where we can do demonstrations, where students can also work at tables uh, to do extra preparation because we have to practice the six-foot distancing. And we can only have no more than 10 people in a kitchen. We have uh, one instructor and nine students. So that's why we've set up the classrooms into kitchens uh, and make them like an auxiliary kitchen. I think they used to have a campus here in Florida, I think. Yes. Lincoln yes. A couple of the chef instructors uh, actually had worked there. Uh, and then move back to Connecticut or maybe move back to Florida. You're absolutely correct. Because I used to work for Florida Culinary Institute years and years ago, and I think yeah. Lincoln Tech might have taken that school over at one point or something up in West Palm Beach. But did they used to have one in Hartford too? 
Yes. And they actually closed down a, a couple of years ago. And a lot of the instructors now work at the school. Yeah, they, they shut down. I, I don't know exactly why, but they did. I was the executive chef for Hastings Hotel Conference Center, which was part of Aetna. And I think that was the building they bought or the, one time. Oh. Their old conference center. Yeah. I think it's next door to yeah, it. I was the chef there for a while, way back. <laughs> 90s. That was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. So um, so as we come to the end of our chat today and before we wrap up, is there any last minute advice or guidance you want to leave with the listeners or something you want to share? Absolutely. Um, I think the the most important thing is if you're interested in cooking, you should follow your dreams. Uh, if you're interested in going to a school, you need to research the school. Uh, if you can take a tour or a virtual tour, because I know that we're doing that now, uh, you want to see where you're going. You want to check out the program. You want to see the courses they're going to be offering. Uh, you want to also see if you want to live there at the school or do a virtual and do an online program. Find out what you're more comfortable with and, and get started and don't wait. Um, and don't be afraid of doing something you maybe have never done before uh, because it might be the best thing you ever did. And um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Do you think a student needs experience today before they go to culinary school or should have? I think there should be some kind of um, orientation. I think the students need to know what they're getting themselves into. Uh, whether it's food safety, a little something on that, you know, a little maybe a little review on food safety, a little math involved, culinary math, basic measurements, things like that. Uh, and I think that's where the students struggle the most with, uh, I think they're interested in cooking. I think they should probably learn how to use the computer and feel comfortable uh, typing essays and researching things and uh, learning about different kind of foods. I think that would be helpful for them to, they have a little uh, base knowledge, little foundation before they come to cooking school. Mm -hmm. I know some of the schools like CIA required it. You know, they had to have a certain amount of years of experience, but some schools don't. And I don't know if that's good or bad with the shock value when the students finally get into that commercial kitchen. Yeah, I think that's, that's it's tough. Yeah, especially for the younger students. That they, they don't know what to, what to expect and the, uh-oh, I got to do what? <laughs> uh, I think uh, if they have an idea, they can be better prepared. And I think that helps the instructors because uh, then they can help them more. Yeah. I think one of the most important things is knife skills uh, because that's something you're going to do every single day when you're in the kitchen. And that's something that your chef is going to expect you to have. And to be successful in the field, you have to have... Uh, the, the, the basic knowledge of besides knife skills, just maybe making other things like soup sauces and stocks. And if that's going to be what you want to do and be a culinary chef, uh, you have to have that. And if you're going to be a baker or pastry chef, that you have a basic knowledge of not just the cooking and or the baking, but the equipment that you're going to be using. Uh, and if you're going to lead people, you better know what you're doing. And if you don't have the education and the foundation, it's going to be very difficult uh, to be a leader uh, one day. So uh, I say take baby steps and then learn as you go. Good. You also mentioned something in here about embracing the changes and also uh, being responsible and respectful. 
Absolutely. Uh, you have to embrace change. No matter what uh, job you're going to be in, every day is never going to be the same. You'll walk in one day and you'll have all your equipment, all your ingredients, and it'll be the perfect day. And then the next day, you won't have everything in front of you and you've got to know how to be flexible and figure it out. Uh, also, uh, besides the change of being making adjustments today with this pandemic, I mean, all the things like social distancing and also wearing a mask, which is something, you know, very difficult, uh, learning how to respect others, uh, realizing that, you know, everybody uh, is here to learn and not everybody's going to be classroom. Not everybody's going to know all the answers. But as a team, you learn to work together and do everything well together. Um, and we all work well when we work as a team uh, and help each other because that's what it's going to be like in the kitchen. The team's going to win, not just the individual. And I think that's one of the things we have to learn uh, from the beginning. And that's what helped me because I was always uh, very involved as a kid in sports and jumping into the kitchen was just like playing basketball or playing softball. I just knew how to work with others and learning how to understand that, you know what, this person gets nervous, let's leave them alone. And just, you know, like I said, you know, just, just going at things a step at a time because you don't know what the next day is going to be. You, 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 you want to know, you hope that your spinach is going to show up, but if it doesn't, you know, maybe you substitute with something like Swiss chard. Yeah. So true. Great advice. Mm -hmm. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. And I want to first thank you, Maureen, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. We really appreciate your time, your insight and your honesty. Well, Chef, you know, I'm I'm honored and you have so much knowledge. I just, you know, so in seeing your credentials, I was so impressed. Uh, and then when I heard your voice, I said, wow, he's so calm and he's got such a, a wonderful presence to him. No wonder he's such a wonderful instructor. And, you know, and then watching you explain recipe costing, I said to myself, wow, that's how these kids get it. You know, it's just slow and easy, make it friendly. Uh, and I connected with you right then and there. And I said, wow. And I had no idea until I started reading the article. And then, then I saw it on LinkedIn. I said, this is the same chef. I said, oh, my goodness, look at that. I recognize that face. And we're actually, I think we're actually connected on LinkedIn. And I, I just want to thank you so much for, you know, allowing me to, to come on the podcast today. And I appreciate it very much. And I hope that I helped somebody today. Great. Thanks again. I really enjoyed our chat. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Chef. Take care. Have a wonderful week. You too. Bye now. Bye-bye. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you. And that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next Culinary School story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. 
Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.